as we welcome in Jim Fox, LA Kings analyst to the program as the Kings get set to take on the Oilers tonight at Rogers Place. Jim, good morning. Uh, thanks for hopping on Sports 1440. My pleasure. I just have a question. Yeah. When the Oilers, when the Oilers are playing, <laughs> is the game of the day ever not an Oilers game? <laughs> no, it's pretty well a given that the game of the day is an Oilers game. Yeah, but we have the you ability to move it around. But you're right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so you guys flew in yesterday. Uh, what was that like getting off the plane from Cali to yeah. what you experienced here? Yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, you no, know, we've been getting a lot of rain, which I know doesn't sound too bad but where we are it's new and dangerous at times with landslides and things of that sort so we've been we've been having a lot a lot of rain but uh yeah i will say it has been for a for a kid who grew up just outside of Sudbury, it was mm-hmm. still kind of a shock. Yeah, I mean, we've had great weather here, Jim, all winter. And I would say yesterday was the worst storm we had all season long, wow. all winter season. So just in time for you guys to yeah. get into town, I guess. Huh? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Jim, I, I was lucky enough to play a year of junior hockey with Jim Hiller back in the day. And uh, since he's taken over as head coach, uh, so I've known Jim since the late 80s, um, since he's taken over the Kings for Todd McClellan, what have you noticed as far as the change goes uh, in what the Kings have been doing? Yeah, the biggest difference is uh, personnel usage. Uh, I think Jim gets a little bit more specific in-game. He's willing to change things around as far as line combinations, defense pairs, although Trent Yanni handles the D pairs more so. But Jim uh, does not hesitate to move things around. And you never get a feeling that it's a demotion or a penalty or, you know, penalizing someone. It's just, it's just kind of keeping guys in game. So mm-hmm. the biggest area we notice is coming off a power play or a penalty kill. He may put the next three guys out there that have never played together really in that game, but he just wants to make sure that they're not sitting too long. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's the biggest difference I've noticed, the personnel usage, changing, mixing, juggling lines, especially after power play and penalty kill. Kings analyst Jim Fox, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Does Quinton Byfield fall into that category, Jim, where he's moving up and down a little bit more in the last bit? Well, you know what? Uh, it's a good point. He has been moving around, but in the past it would be probably to get Quinton going. Now he's being moved around to get other guys going or to balance things out because this year he has been a an impact player. He has been the guy that has been leading the line, uh, making sure that line is going to have an effect on the game. So, yeah, he has been – that's a good point. He has been moved around a lot more, but, again, it's for different reasons. It's because he has become the guy, so to speak, to get the other guys going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when the Kings went out on that Eastern swing and lost that tough one, well, not a tough one, lost a really lopsided game in Buffalo, uh, what happened after that game to kind of, uh, so the team had good success uh, on the continuation of that road trip? Yeah, I, I think the, that one caught them off guard a little bit. Uh, it was something that, you know, actually a year ago, a season ago, the Kings lost 6 nothing in Buffalo, and it turned their season around. It you know, just made them look a little bit closer at what was going on. Uh, you know, I, I think right now, if there's any challenge for the group right now, it's, you know, I think Jim likes more of an attacking style, but you always have to weigh that with balance, right? You know, are you making hope plays? Is it a 50-50 puck battle or is it 75-25? If it is either of those, how do you read and react off of that situation? So I think getting the balance right now, and that was probably 
the issue in the Buffalo game where, you know, they probably were looking for a little bit too much on the offensive side and everything opened up defensively. So uh, I'm sure every mm-hmm. team in the league is struggling with that balance, but that's the challenge for the Kings right now to, to attack more, but at the same time maintain and keep some of their defensive foundation, which they've been known for. LA Kings analyst Jim Fox, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Cam Talbot, as we know, uh, uh, had a fantastic start to the season, but uh, how well has David Riddick played uh, for the Kings of late? You know, uh, David's living up to his his nickname. He really is. <laughs> Big Save Dave. He, he's, he, he is. He's you know what? He doesn't look the greatest in net at times. Uh, there's scramble situations, but you know what? He's done the job. His numbers are more than fine, and the Kings are, you know, I guess you would say that they're very happy that they're able to have David in the position where he comes in and, and plays like he does. So, uh, you know, in his wins, and, you know, even going back to the last game against Anaheim, it was a shootout win. Uh, the Kings have struggled in shootouts this year, mostly because they couldn't get saves. Mm-hmm. And Dave came up with some big stops. So uh, that's that's what he's living up to. Uh, Cam's game has dropped off as far as the numbers. And um, I think that's an area where, you know, you're trying to... We were trying to look, when the Kings went through their slide in January, we were looking at all the internal analytic numbers. And they hadn't dropped off that much, at least at the beginning of the slide. Maybe they started to at the end. But, um, you know, you came back to the the two main ones, which are kind of big numbers, which is, you know, shooting percentage and save percentage. And Mm -hmm. the Kings had almost 180 turnarounds in those areas. Meaning early in the season, the shooting percentage was right at the top of the league. And then during the slide, it went right to the bottom. And the same thing for the save percentage. At the beginning of the league, I think it was second best, and then it went to 31st. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't a drop-off from, like, high to middle, it was complete 180. Hey, Jim, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, when you watch him on a night-to-night basis, what goes through your mind uh, when you're seeing him uh, out there every every night? Since the All-Star break, uh, impact player, makes a difference, uh, big, strong, and physical. Uh, before that, he, he was not uh, finding a way to get a feel for games. I, I'm sure... You know, we understand that PL comes with baggage from his other stops. Everyone knew that. Uh, And he does have a tendency at times, or he did at least. Again, since the All-Star break, there's a whole different story, whole completely different player. Uh, I can get into that. But, uh, you know, he, he, he analyzes, he stands, he watches. He's a very cerebral player. But you say, you know, come on, get in there. get Make it happen. And uh, since the break, he's done that. Uh, the coaching staff, uh, led by Jim Hiller, um, specifically went to PL and said they're going to devise a point system for him, not goals and assists, but five or six different categories that they're going to rate him on every single game. They're going to discuss it after the game. And um, since then, much more involved, much more of an impact, not only in the number of hits, but how hard the hits that he's giving. So besides uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who else would be at the top of the list who has, I guess, kind of benefited from the coaching change, Jim? Yeah, you know, that's it, it's just, it's more so from that standpoint of not sitting too long. There are times where Jim will shorten the bench, meaning the fourth line or the th- one line or a group of players because he's been mixing and matching and juggling just won't play in the third period. Mm-hmm. But that means the other three lines do. Uh, so 
if it's benefited anyone, it would be benefit guys that were in non-specialty team situations that because of a, a game with a lot of penalties, they would end up sitting and, you know, all of a sudden you're asked to come out and do it. Well, if that happens and Jim can't get around it, then he just sits those guys. But for the most part, again, he's trying to juggle to make sure everyone stays in the game and doesn't go too long without a shift. Mm-hmm. Jim Fox, our guest on Sports 1440. I wanted to talk about your great career with the Kings for a bit, uh, Jim, if you don't mind. And when you came up to L.A. as a draft to pick out of Ottawa, you're you're 20 years old and you, you get to the, the the starry lights of L.A. and Tinseltown. Just you, what were your initial thoughts of a, you know, a kid out of Ontario going to, you know, the glitz and the glamour of L.A.? Yeah, you know what? There's not a lot of time for that. There really isn't. Uh, it is a big difference as far as the weather. And I think everyone you know, that's laid back, well, it's laid back because rarely do you have to worry about the weather. When you get up in the morning, it's not the first thing that comes to mind. But uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, room with uh, Larry Murphy and, and uh, Greg Terrian, mm. uh, who's passed away. Uh, rest in peace, Greg. Um, it, you know, we were three young kids. We were living right on the beach. Uh, you know, they had the surfers and the roller skaters and all that stuff. But you know what? To be honest, you know what? You're playing every other day. The travel back then, it was, you know, uh, balanced schedule. Played every other team in the league, two and two, two home, two away. Uh, commercial travel. So there wasn't a lot of time to, to get involved in those other areas, believe me. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, with the you know charters and back and forth, maybe it would be a different story. But back then... Uh, you just had to focus on playing the game. Uh, before I ask you about the triple crown line and having a, a front row seat to watch them, uh, you did mention Larry Murphy. You must have went, this guy, well, he's 19, he comes out of junior, and you're going, this is, it looks like it's easy for him. He's putting up points like crazy. Yeah, you know, I, had, I played against Larry because Larry was in Peterborough and I was in Ottawa, so I knew about him for sure. But you're right, uh, you know, part of the reason I think it was Makarov that ended up making the reason of changing the Calder, the Rookie of the Year, you know, based mm-hmm. on an age issue. Peter Stastny won Rookie of the Year that year, and he was an older player coming in too. If not, Larry would have won Rookie of the Year. Uh, you know, even back then, as a rookie, I mean, they had to kind of hold him back from practices because he was playing so much during games <laughs> that they just had to save his energy, and that was really unusual for uh, a rookie player. But... uh uh, Larry was dominant and ended up being dominant throughout his career. Yeah, well, we had Larry on uh, a few weeks ago, Jim, when the Oilers were pressing for 17 wins in a row because he was on the Pittsburgh team in 92-93. So, um, Marcel Dion, Dave Taylor, Charlie Simmer, the triple crown line. So when you get up and basically they're they're all together, what was it like to kind of watch these three guys? A little bit older. I think Marcel was about 10 years older than you, but just to watch the three of them work together. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. Here's the easiest thing. If you were on the second power play unit, which I was at times, <laughs> you never got on the ice because they scored. They scored right away. Uh, they were so dominant. Uh, it's a great example, and you, you don't see it that much anymore. I think you see you know, pairs that are kept together as a line, but just three completely different style players that ended up meshing together. And that's difficult to come by, but, you know, you have Marcel in the middle, the shooter, you have Dave Taylor in the corners back and forth, you know, doing the dirty work, Charlie Simmer in front of the net, tipping everything, rebounds, all of those things, uh, just a dominant, dominant line. So 
Jim, did you, I mean, you had almost four consecutive uh, 30-goal campaigns uh, after your rookie season, and then Charlie was out a couple of times and Dave missed some time. Did you ever see uh, a fair bit of action and fair bit of time on that top line when, when guys were out? I never made, like, I never really played with Marcel um, on the top line, but uh, Bernie Nichols was my centerman for the most part early mm-hmm. on. We had a couple of different left wingers, and I, you know, I think we did end up being uh, considered the top line. We went into Montreal one night, and this is, you know, to be honest, this is one of the things I remember. Um, you know, we went into Montreal to play the Canadians, and I think it was, I think Charlie was on the left, my, uh, Bernie in the middle. And I was on the right because Dave was hurt, so they had to mix around the top line. And, you know, we come on the ice for the, our first shift of the game, and Mario Tremblay, uh, Doug Risebrow, uh, you know, comes. So their checking line, Doug Jarvis, comes on the lo- ice against us. And I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, holy jeez, Montreal's checking line is out against us. And, they, you know, they, they were matching on purpose. So uh, I did have a chance to you know, play on an elevated role because of injuries to Dave and to Charlie at times, but uh, really never, ever did play with Marcel. Hmm. Uh, and once you kind of establish yourself to be a veteran guy, then some other younger guys came in, um, kind of how you were with the Triple Crown line, and I'm talking about guys like Luke Robitaille and and, uh, and uh, uh, Jimmy Carson, guys like that. So how was that kind of when you were the older guy and these younger guys were coming in? You know what, there was a... There was a lot of change, uh, and that's the one thing, unfortunately, that you know, the franchise at the time with the Kings were too much change. Mm-hmm. Uh, never ever had a chance for anything to gel. If you had one good season, uh, going to the next, uh, you know, eight new players on the team, so you, you don't get a chance to learn together. Um, but when uh, Luke, Jimmy, and Steve Duchesne came up all in the same season, all three of them made the all rookie team. Uh, that was that was kind of a changing point for us. Obviously, when, you know, Jimmy was involved in the Gretzky trade, that was a huge change. But um, it was it was the first time that perhaps, you know, younger guys took over. Uh, and it did give a, a much more confident feel to our group mm-hmm. uh, that we, you know, honestly believed that we could do some damage. Uh, one last one for Jim Fox, uh, LA Kings analyst. You played a, just a, a, a touch with with Wayne Gretzky when he got there, and just can you describe what the change was in LA and hockey, the scene, the growth of the sport, uh, thanks to '99. Yeah, I, I am playing, playing uh, two years with Wayne. One year I was hurt, mm-hmm. but uh, I played uh, one year with Wayne. It, it's you know what? Uh, I'm probably the person that was able to see. Uh, the biggest change is because I was there eight years before Wayne came and I'm still there now. And my job that exists right now on TV was based on the Kings. We're actually at a simulcast again, but when I first was playing with the Kings, uh, they were doing a simulcast, meaning radio TV together on yeah. the same feed. Uh, when I retired, uh, they decided, hey, we can have two separate revenue streams if we separate radio and TV. And the reason that happened was Wayne. Because the interest grew so much that everyone felt comfortable in those types of areas. But it was night and day. I mean, I remember just being around the offices when Wayne uh, and the trade was announced. I was in the offices at the time. And um, the phones started ringing off the hook. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. People, he was that crossover athlete. He was one of the few, if not the only 
hockey player that could make an impact in Los Angeles just by kind of name recognition, being on the cover of Sports Illustrated, all of those types of things. Uh, and he caught the attention of everyone. And it is not an overstatement to say all of the teams, Anaheim, San Jose, Dallas, both Florida teams, Nashville, all of these non-hockey markets, uh, it's still the Wayne Gretzky effect. Yeah, well, in that 30 for 30 documentary, your old friend uh, Bob Miller, remember him in the documentary saying fans phoning in for, we want these tickets that, you know, two here, two, f- we don't even know what we're buying, but we're buying them because Wayne's coming. Yep, yep. Yeah. And it was, they were actually just take, answering the call, taking a message and say, we'll get back to you because they had to just keep answering the phones and then get back to people later. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Hey, Jim, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we bump into you uh, during uh, an intermission tonight down at the rink. Thanks for this. Sounds great. Okay, my pleasure.